1: Pause your word counts and enjoy. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh my gosh. The summer solstice is past and it is summer.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so everyone, please remember your SPF and your masks <sighs> and keep yourselves safe and happy and all those good things.
0: <laughs> and one of our big themes for today is keeping the flow moving in summer. And we're looking at really some specific questions that we've asked are. 10 minutes with an expert chat, which you can join. If you go on our Facebook, you can just find us at 10 minutes with an expert. That is where you'll find a whole bunch of people talking about writing and sharing ideas and successes and a place where you can talk about things that are hard too in publishing.
1: Yeah. It's a really nice group to support you. So another way to find that you can head to manuscriptacademy.com slash Facebook and click the join button. Okay, so we have some really interesting questions here. Jade wants to know, does publishing really die off in summer, or is that a misconception? Oh, everyone thinks everyone just takes off for the summer and eats popsicles for three months. No, (laughs) I wish. I would love to be on the beach for three months. No, actually, one thing that I've spoken with a lot of agents about recently is that every season gets busier and every season has the promise that the next one they'll finally get to take a break. So I don't think there's really a moment in the summer where it's, oh, we don't have to do anything. No, deadlines keep coming. We still want to get back to people in a reasonable amount of time. Our clients always need things. There's a bit of a push to get work out before August. There's always the debate of do you send work to agents in August? I think to agents, totally fine. To editors, it's a bit more of a question, but that means that there's always a bit of a rush in July to get everything else out. I personally am rushing to do that myself. Is that pretty much what you expected, Julie, or did you think we were like drinking pina coladas on the beach? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I pretty much thought you guys were drinking pina colada. <laughs> I, no, no, I think it's like, I, I think for everyone, we need to be thinking of publishing doesn't stop, but like we're coming out of a pandemic and it's summer. So mm-hmm. I actually think that I hope people are taking some time to refine that balance in their life. And I think that the pandemic has created in some ways we're working all the time in some ways that it was just such a struggle. I don't think we know what this summer is going to be like. Like I think people are going to be working, but I also think that I sure hope they're drinking pina coladas. I hope people's toes are in the sand. And I hope that they're with their families and their friends and seeing people and, and out. While it's past public not true, and it's my fantasy, I hope for the publishing world that does happen.
1: I'm sure someone has an umbrella drink somewhere. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, there isn't really like a big slowdown. Yeah, if it takes a little while to hear back from someone, don't panic. If it goes to August and you haven't heard from them, that does not mean that it's an automatic no. Go by the industry standards, I would say, year round. You want to look for a response within six to eight weeks or so on your query, though it's sometimes a bit longer.
0: Yeah. So here's another question we have on the Facebook page for this writer writes, everyone says to start drafting something new when you're querying. The book I'm querying stands alone but has a sequel, just an outline for its relevant tie-ins to the first book. Is it
1: smart to work on the sequel or to start something completely new? What do you think, Jessica? If an agent said, yes, absolutely. They don't need everything written to sell it, though. You'd need the first book and a synopsis for the subsequent books. Yeah. So you really don't need to do that for all. They're going to be like, you said it on this planet. Maybe it should be on this other planet. They might have big changes for you that would affect those latter books and then undo some of your work. So I would vote for starting on something new.
0: Yeah, me too. I think summer's an interesting time to walk into new energy as an artist. And whatever that means, like really taking time outside and being like, God, oh, what story is speaking to me today? What speech read might I create? If you write for children's, maybe it's a picture book. If you write mystery, maybe it's a memoir. I feel like there's all kinds of different opportunities in summer because the energy is different. I think that's what makes writing seasonally interesting. For me, especially, I really love certain things I write in winter, certain things I write in fall, and other things where I just try to keep that creative spirit.
1: I, I love this question here from Jennifer. She says, how do you know how editorial agents are before querying? If I want an editorial agent, it would be nice to be able to not query ones who aren't editorial. It would be heartbreaking to get an offer. And then find out they aren't the type of agent I want. Whew. Okay. Not everyone is going to talk about this. And I think the general trend is toward everyone being more editorial. I think a lot of people know that if they're like, hey... I am not signing you up to do any editorial work. I am only signing up for this one book and we get six months together and then good luck. I think everyone knows that's the exact opposite of what writers are looking for. So people probably aren't going to really advertise not doing any editorial anything. So you could definitely do a Twitter advanced search for tweets from an agent you're thinking about and look for the word editorial or or edits, or similar things like that. Sometimes people use the word rounds to talk about their edits. Any related word you can think of might bring up a tweet that would tell you more. I think you can safely assume, I'm guessing 80% at least of agents are editorial right now, but that's absolutely something to talk about on their offer call. I agree it would be heartbreaking to get to the offer stage and not have that be somebody you want to work with, but that's still you in a pretty good position. In that case, you would be able to tell everyone who has your work that you have an offer, and that might get you more responses faster from people who would be more what you're looking for. I'm sorry to say that you don't always know ahead of time, but you're still in a good position if that happens, as heartbreaking as it may be.
0: Well, I mean, I think this is interesting because i sometimes I've heard stories where people have gotten offers from an editorial agent, but they didn't like the edits. So that's interesting too. So
1: a lot of the time during an offer call, an agent's going to lay out the edits for you. I've done everything from, hey, here are my line notes, which I don't do anymore because it's a lot of work and then they can take them and run. What I do now is I give people big scale edits, things that I would think about that would require change. I see how open they are to brainstorming. Basically, I'm looking to see if that collaboration is possible. But you can absolutely ask what edits an agent would want and see how you resonate with those. And also, if they don't resonate with you, see if you can suggest an alternative and see what happens. Yeah. Um, Because if they're like, absolutely not, this is the one way, then you would know.
0: I think we talk about this a lot at the Manuscript Academy, where the more of your own editorial that you do, the more learning you do around craft, the more you're critiquing. You start making decisions as a writer yourself. And once you really know the type of work that you want to produce, I think it's easier to make that decision. People talk about the non-negotiables. I think when you see a, a writer like wavering, I have an offer, but I'm not loving, you know, what they're saying or it doesn't feel right. It's often not right.
1: Definitely. This is such an interesting specific question. I have a 59,000 word middle grade adventure with a time travel element and some magic. Two kids from the present traveled to the 1700s where they... Cavort with Pirates on a Quest. I'm having a hard time trying to pinpoint my exact genre. There are huge liberties taken with the historical time period, so I don't think it's historical fiction. An agent told me it's got to be sci-fi because of the time travel. Another said fantasy, but they don't travel to a new world, and the word count isn't typical fantasy length, but maybe close enough. I've been calling it an adventure with a touch of time travel and magic, but that seems too broad. Any thoughts? Oh my goodness. I can't know without seeing it. I'm guessing it's somewhere around historical fantasy, just because magic I usually think of as being fantasy versus sci-fi. Time travel, I think, could probably go either way because it feels magical, but it also could be created by technology. Uh, what do you think, Julie? Julie?
0: I, I can feel the parts of my brain misfiring here because we see all kinds of queer letters come in and sometimes the genre feels really off, but the, but it doesn't matter because the story is so good. So I guess my question to you is, if you have something that is a little bit of a bender, does this matter that much?
1: You mean, say for example, they sent it out, it's middle grade historical fantasy and it was actually technically middle grade historical sci-fi or something like that. I would guess that most agents would take both. And if they loved it, they would just be like, oh, by the way. That's
0: what I assume too. I feel like we we can feel the anxiety coming through the computer sometimes with people about this. There's like, they want to get it right. And sometimes- Which we
1: appreciate. Yeah, of course you want to do the best you can. Yeah, I think most people who work on sci-fi also work on fantasy. Say It Went Out is middle grade adventure, but then it was also described with all of these other elements. People will get it. I think if the query is great and the pages are great and you get your genre just slightly wrong, I don't think anyone's going to go, oh no, I was going to take it on, except for those few words describing what your book is like.
0: and. As long as your comparatives are going to do the work for you and your book is the intersection of those two ideas, I think that says too, it is a little of this and a little of that, and that's okay. You could have a story, it's still going to be in children's fiction on the shelf. And I think we've talked in the past about how sometimes things are so like, you don't know where to put it in the bookstore and
1: that can mess you up, but
0: this doesn't feel like that situation.
1: I don't think anyone's going to wonder where to shelve this, but I can see the confusion. I'm guessing it's middle grade historical fantasy, but- I don't know for sure. Here's another one. While querying my fantasy novel, I started a fantasy short story as my something new in the hopes of getting that published first and adding that credit to my bio in the future query revisions. Is this a sound strategy? I don't see anything wrong with this strategy if it helps you feel creative and happy and takes your mind off of querying. It probably will take a little while to get a home for it, but it's always very nice to see that a writer has been published somewhere else in their query. Unlike with nonfiction, it's not really about Platform in the same way for fiction? Yeah, I think
0: every time you put, you know, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, you have an opportunity to activate something in your brain that can move to something else. I don't really think it matters what you're working on as long as you're pushing forward and activating that part of your brain to the next steps. And this, think of a short story, could be a future screenplay. It could be a pitch for another whole concept. It can be a, a character that you can harvest from. Even if you don't publish it, there's worth in the work. So I thought I would end this kind of short podcast just kind of talking about activation in summer and what you can do to keep that creative part of your brain moving. One of the things that I've noticed with teaching for 25 years or so, good grief, is that when your creative part of your brain is being used like a well-oiled machine, it's easy to access ideas. And I encourage you to do that through the summer. I encourage you, no matter where you are, to bring a notebook and to jot down ideas or to at least write a sentence a day or do a character profile or sit, and this is super creepy and I'm sorry, you guys sit, listen to people talk and write down how they're talking to each other. We all want to find that balance between finding life again, but don't do that in a way that you're going to let that writing part of your brain get slow, or like creaky, keep it oiled, keep it activated and just keep that faith that you can do this. It is going to be an exciting new time period, I think, when it comes to publishing and stories and a whole lot of things opening up. So it's going to be super to see what happens. Any final thoughts, Jessica?
1: Yeah, so just looking ahead, we have a lot of really fun events. We've got Anne Elliott's Magic of the Sentence event. We've also got a ton of panels coming up, live panels with agents to go over your query, your first page. Julie and I are doing something special (laughs) electronically since we don't have a tour bus yet, as much as Julie wants one. There's going to be a lot of really fun content. Join us again in the Facebook group every Friday. There's going to be a special event led by Valentina. Thank you for joining us thank you for hanging out with us taking us with you to the beach or the park or wherever you are hopefully you're with a pina colada we're here we're here to support you we've got the sunscreen we've got everything we need
0: we've got more stuff coming you guys some really interesting things and i think that's enough for everyone's brains right now once again we just want you to enjoy to keep it moving and to my goodness gracious have an amazing start to your summer all right take care we are so glad that you joined us and as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the
1: iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and
0: everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.